Thank you for listening to the Shanghai Community Fellowship Podcast. To find out more about the SCF community, listen to sermons, and upcoming events, visit us at shanghaifellowship.org. All right, hey everybody, and welcome to Shanghai Community Fellowship Teaching Online here on our YouTube channel. And great to have you uh, today. This is uh, a, a part two, uh, and just two parts uh, to the previous week. And you want to go back and look at that as we looked at um, the Jesus, the Light for the Nations, uh, and uh, and we looked at the story of the Magi last week as we celebrated Epiphany together. And this is kind of the follow up to. Uh, last week. So uh, if you want to go back and look at that and get uh, both uh, part one and part two, hope you'll do that. All right, the story that God is telling is the story of how all things started out good, right, and and beautiful. Uh, it's a story that God is telling, and it includes how and why things that started out good and beautiful went so wrong and why it is still possible to see both beauty and goodness in the world, right? You know, sometimes I think people misunderstand what Christians are saying and that that at least some parts of Christianity uh, or parts of the message that seem to come through louder uh, than others is that Christians are saying that the world is a horrible place, the people are terribly messed up, and there's just no good in the world at all. There's no beauty in the world at all, which is really not what we're saying as followers of Jesus. It's, it's, a, it, it's clear that there's a, a beauty and a goodness in the world, but the story that God is telling is that this is how it started, but it also is telling us how things got so tangled up uh, and how we not only have expressions of goodness and expressions of beauty tangled up with a lot of mess and a lot that's bad and, and, and even evil. And I, I don't think we get an argument there. There's a lot of evil and bad in the world. The story that God is telling also tells us the bad news as it, as it really is. In other words, the story that God is telling us is not asking us to turn a blind eye to what, we, what is ugly and what is, uh, what is destructive and what is uh, filled with death. It's not asking us to pretend, and uh, it's not asking us to call what is good bad or what is bad good. It's really giving us a clear picture in the story that God is telling of why we are the way we are and, and how we have bad news and why bad news is the way things uh, really are. The story that God is telling us is that the good news has come that the good news that God has to say to us, the divine being has to say to us, is that he intends to redeem us, he intends to restore, he's intending to reconcile and reunite us with the very source of life, his life. Uh, sometimes we, we call that eternal life. So the good news that is, that is there deep within the story and at the very heart of the story that God is telling is that we started out in beauty, we've got terribly messed up, and that God intends to bless the world and bless all that he has made and bless the nations of the world by reconciling us to himself, himself by redeeming us and, and reuniting us with him. And he's going to do this and Here's where uh, the, the mystery of, well, how is he going to do that, is, is revealed. He's going to do this and has done this, actually, past tense, and 
present tense, in and through the person of Jesus, who is, as we celebrate every year at Christmas, God with us. And through the cross and through the resurrection of God's son, Jesus, he is going to redeem, reconcile, and reunite us to himself. Because, as we read in John chapter 3, verse 16, because God so loved the world that whoever believes in him would not perish, does not have to perish, but can have everlasting life. It's a story that God is telling. He tells it in the Bible. You can read this story there of, of, of human flourishing as it once was. It's a description of a time through the redemption and the reconciliation in and through the cross and resurrection of Jesus where all of humanity and all of creation is once again going to flourish as it once did, but now uh, in a complete and full way like possibly we've never seen before, even then. Now it is full. Now it is complete. It's a story that's telling us of a flourishing life, a new creation, uh, and that the nations of the world are going to be healed by him, by Jesus, and that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. It's the story that God is telling us. And as Jesus's people, it's our task to not only to know this story, that God is telling, but also to know our place in this story. So it is our task as Jesus's new community and as a follower of Jesus, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm assuming you might be too, that it's on us, it's our task as part of this new family, this new creation, to know the story that Jesus is telling, that God is telling through the Son Jesus, and to know my place in the story. And when you read the story, and it's, a, it's, it's incredible, it's beautiful, it's inspiring, uh, it's filled with the Spirit of God, it's life-giving. And when you read this story, one of the, one of, I think one of the more uh, uh, better parts of the story, and certainly more entertaining parts of the story, is how many of the unlikely people are in the story that God is telling. It just seems to be a thing with God that he finds the most unlikely people and draws them to himself. It reminds me and tells me that there is no one outside of the possibility of, to, of experiencing God's grace. There's just, there's just no one on the planet that couldn't possibly and isn't a potential uh, and has the potential to experience God's grace. So we, we saw that last week when we looked at the story, and you can do that this week if you want, the story that's told, that short little story that's told in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, where the, the three magi and uh, historically, it's been known as the three kings come to visit uh, uh, the one who was born the king of the Jews. You remember that in Matthew, the three, the three kings or the three, actually, they were more like, uh, more like astronomers or wise men would probably be even better. I don't think they were kings at all. Uh, but, but it's the kind of story that God is telling where you get some of the most unlikely people. For example, three astronomers from Babylon find themselves in the story that God is telling as they come to bow before Jesus, who is going to bring all of the reconciliation and hope and life as he offers himself on the cross and then will be raised from the dead uh, by the Father. Even these three guys. And it's telling us that if three astronomers from Babylon can end up in a story like this, the story that God is telling in and through Jesus, in the Jesus story, then anyone can be 
in this story. In fact, everyone should be in this story. Now, we also find another character, and we could, there's a lot of people like this in the Bible, all right? There's a lot of people like this all over the planet right now. But uh, we find another person uh, in, like, like this, an unlikely person who becomes a part of the story that God is telling uh, and the blessing uh, he brings to the world through his son Jesus in a person named Paul. Now, Paul was uh, a Jewish person, a Jewish leader, and very, very dedicated <clears throat> to just doing things right for God and honoring God with his life. He was just, he was intense and he was all in uh, and being the perfect Jewish person, right? Keeping all the laws and, and doing it and doing it perfectly. And he's probably the most, uh, ironically, the unlikely, one of the more unlikely people to be in this story of God revealing himself and blessing the nations through the person of Jesus uh, it's a, it, it, it's, there's a lot here, but you know, Paul would not have likely been in this story, but what happens to him is actually amazing because Paul is going to end up being a part of the story that God is telling, bringing his blessing to the nations through Jesus. Paul, of course, was, if you know this a little bit about him, you know that he was absolutely convinced uh, that to think that Jesus was the way that God was going to bring his blessing to the nations was not only wrong-headed, you know, in, in its thinking, Paul believed it was dangerous. And so he kind of, he, I mean, so much so that he actually dedicated himself to, to just going out and, and, and attempting to stop in every way, including persecuting followers of Jesus, including put those people in, in, in putting them in jail, uh, and even overseeing uh, their execution, uh, if you will. I mean, that's how intense he was about this, because he really believed that, that the possibility or the thought or the belief that people would have had at that time and do today that God was going to bring about the blessing of the nations, his blessing to the nations through Jesus was something that was dangerous. Of course, you read in Acts chapter 9 of Paul's conversion, of how this same Christ meets Paul on his way to the city of Damascus where he's going to persecute more Christians, and Jesus meets him there and so radically encounters him, or Paul so radically encounters Jesus, that that he becomes a part of the story that God is telling in and through his son Jesus and about the blessing that God is bringing through and to the nations. So in this letter that Paul is writing, and he writes many letters to his fellow Christians, uh, which we now read today because they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to continue to speak to us even today, uh, in the part of the letter that we're going to read, one of the letters that we're going to read from, uh, if, it's called Ephesians. It's actually a letter written to all Christians everywhere. You know, it's got, it got the label Ephesus, which is a real city, but, but really it's, it's, it's one of those letters that Paul writes. It's like, I'm writing something here that any Christian anywhere could pick up and read this, and it's going to really speak to you. And it still speaks to us today. And Paul does a little bit of reflecting on his own experience of, of, of how he's involved in the story that God is telling, right? And how he's involved in God bringing the, his blessing to the nations through the person of Jesus. And as he tells it, uh, he's going to do some, as I said, some reflecting on this story. And he's going to say that, you know, I'm actually 
the least of God's people is the way he says it. In other words, Paul himself acknowledges, I'm like the, I'm probably the least likely person. You know, you've got the Magi, you've got, the, you've got those astronomers from Babylon. You thought, you thought those guys were uh, unlikely to be in this story that God is telling of how he's going to bless the nations. And I'm even, it's even more unlikely than I would have ever been in this story. And yet, here I am. And he writes, remember, he's writing actually these words from prison. And this is what he says. For this reason, Ephesians 3, verses 1 to 6. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. And you could say nations there, really. This, uh, uh, that's just everybody. That's all the nations of the earth except one nation, the, the uh, Jewish nation. Um, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly, and he had. Uh, in reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight, my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the good news about Jesus, the Gentiles or the nations are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ. Now, before we go on, because there's more to read, I want to just hit the pause button for a moment. Because Paul is saying that God is bringing his blessing of redemption and reconciliation and making things right and redeeming all that he made and called good and beautiful and making it good and beautiful again, full stop, no evil, no sin, no death, no destruction. God is doing this and he's bringing this blessing to the nations and he's doing this through the person of Jesus. And what Paul is saying here is that he's actually bringing this. I'm a part of what God is doing. I'm a part of this story. Isn't that amazing? Me. He's, 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 he's using me to do this. That's what he's saying here. Uh, you know, he's also reminding uh, his fellow Jewish Christians that, you know, there used to be a time, because I know, because I used to be just like this, he, he would say, if I put a little words in his mouth and paraphrase, I used to be just like this, that I thought that this blessing from God was really, well, it was just for us, actually. It's just going to be just going to be for us and good for us. We're going to get the good news. We're going to get the blessing. We're going to get the presence of God and all the promises of God are going to come to us and we're going to be awesome, right? And, but, and too bad for everybody else, but it's just going to be for us. But now he said it's become clear, clear to me and clear to others like the you know, apostles and prophets, others. Well, I'm not the only one, but clear to, to many of us that now it's clear that this good news that God is bringing his blessing to the nations in the person of Jesus, is for everyone. Now we know, and, and mystery here means that what God knew is something now we know, that the nations are going to be fellow heirs with Israel, who had received all those wonderful promises from God, that we are all going to be members of the same body, and that we're going to all partake in the same promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, through the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing. We're hitting the pause button because Paul knows that 
And, and chapter two would help us to understand that. If you go back and read chapter two, uh, you'd get a little more of a context here. And I'm, kind of giving, I'm giving it to you really now in here. That Paul knows that not everyone sees this, this statement that the promises of God are for everyone. The blessing of God is for all the nations, not just one nation, for all the nations. Not everybody's going to see that as good news. And Paul knows that. Uh, they're gonna, they're gonna, there are going to be some people who are going to say, wait a minute, I mean, if more people are going to share the cake, well, doesn't, mean, doesn't that mean that there's less for me? And for some, they're thinking, well, if the blessing that comes from God of redemption and reconciliation and the restoration of goodness and beauty and forgiveness of sins and full life and, 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 and everything and, and no evil and no destruction and no death. I mean, everything that it means and all of that, you know, uh, we worked really hard to be in this promise. You mean that, that as all the nations are invited into this same promise that that they're going to get it uh, without having to keep the same set of rules or put in their time like we did. And, you know, there are going to be some people who are just going to say, I don't, I don't really see that as good news. You know, what was a revelation here, Gordon Fee says, what was a revelation here was not that the nations were going to be included in the promise of God, but that they would be free from the observance of the Jewish law. And not observing those ancient traditions, they would be equally accepted before God. That was the shocking bit of this. So that Christ, in God, would form one new humanity or a new people. So Jesus knew that this would be a hard thing to accept. All right? And so he told these two short parables. He told the parable of the two sons and the generous father. And there's an older son and a younger son, and the younger son becomes very rebellious and runs away with the family, his, his share of the inheritance, and he embarrasses the family. The whole village knows. All the surrounding villages know the terrible life he's lived. It's, it's shameful. It's embarrassing. And, and yet the father uh, uh, just desires for the son to return. And when he does return, uh, there's great celebration. The older son, uh, who has never left and continued to be faithful and continued to be obedient and continued to keep all the rules and uh, hold up his end, uh, if you will, uh, is resentful. And he says something like this to his father. You know, this son of yours comes back. He's just welcomed back in. He's given a robe. He's given a ring. There's a big party for him. I've been here every day. I've been working. I've been serving you. And, 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 and I've never gone off. And, and, and now this, this son of yours has come back. You know, all that he's done. And he's, he's just back into the family. Same inheritance. Same benefits. Same blessing of the father. Jesus would tell another parable, uh, the parable of the last hour workers in Matthew chapter 20, one of my favorites, just because of the, the, the surprise ending. You know, uh, the, the vineyard owner, the field owner, uh, needs to harvest the field. And at the start of the day, he realizes, wow, we're, we've got a lot to do. My, my normal employees uh, will not be enough. So he goes to hire day workers uh, for that day to come and work all day to help us bring in the harvest. And he promises them, this is what I'll pay you if you work for me today. And they agree, good, we're all in, let's do it. Well, you know, halfway through the day, they realize the owner of the, owner of the field realizes we're, we don't have enough people working. Uh, so he goes in to hire some more uh, and, uh, and promises to pay them uh, the same amount that as he 
offered to the people who had come four hours earlier. And even in the last hour, uh, when he realizes we're going to need help to bring this all in and get this done before nightfall, he hires more people and offers to pay them the same thing, the same amount as the people who had been working there all day. Now, at the end of the day, the harvest is in. Everybody's happy. Everybody's excited. Great day. And they all line up at the pay table uh, when those who had been there all day realize, as they're standing there, that the people that came for the last hour of the day were getting paid the same. And they were upset. Hey, what's going on? Come on. What's going on here? You know, we were here all day. You can already see kind of where Jesus was going with this. You know, uh, and, and, and Jesus famously says, do not be upset with me. What right do you have to be upset with me? If I want to be generous with my resources, I can. I have not been dishonest with you. I have not misled you. I, I said that you would work today, and this is what you would uh, agree to, and you work for this amount today, and that's exactly what happened. If I wanted to pay someone the same thing for the last hour, you know, I can do that. And you can probably already see where Jesus is going in these stories. There's just going to be some of us. And in these words, there's a caution, not only to Paul's contemporaries, but to any of us who are already enjoying the blessing of God. And when others come in to be resentful, it's almost like in these words, there's a word of caution. It's like our Heavenly Father is saying, listen, I know you, okay? I was there when you were born. And I raised you. So what I'm saying to you right now is, is a unique insight into who you are because of my unique place in your life. And of course, the Father, our Father God, his insights are always perfect, and you can trust it. And this is like really what he's wanting to say to us. I can see that sometimes you have a, some, let me put it this way, some people um, sometimes some of the people sometimes have this tendency, anyway, sometimes you have the tendency to become resentful when others are receiving my love and my grace and my blessing. It's hard for you to see others get the same as you have when you've already paid your dues. You've already been, you, you've been here longer. You've worked harder. Uh, you've been more faithful. You, you know, and it's almost like our Father in heaven knows, you know, hey, I, I know you. I know that for some and, uh, and some of the time and for all the, for some all the time and for some, uh, for all some of the time, you're going to have a really hard time with this. And you're going to want to be resentful about my grace. You're going to be resentful over who receives grace and who receives mercy. Don't let that mess you up, is God's word to us. It's a caution to us. You know, one of the things that helped them was, and it's the same word to us today, is having a common experience with the Spirit of God helps us to see we are all in the same family because we all come by the same spirit. And even though we may be different from each other, and even though some of us have been here longer, and some of us have paid higher prices and heavier duties, uh, it's God's grace, and we all share the same spirit. All right, back to Paul, back to Paul. Ephesians 3, verse 7. I became a servant of this gospel, he wrote, by the gift of God's grace. All right, so I'm one of those people who came to the party late. I'm one of those last-hour workers, my Paul might say. I, you know, I, you know uh, and here I am, uh, and this grace was given to me, he said, and it was a grace uh, 
for God's power to be worked out in me. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, there he says it there, this grace was given to me. Here's the grace. To preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may, be, or we may approach God with freedom and and confidence. You know, in these words, Paul is talking about grace a lot. Now, we often know grace as unmerited favor. You may have heard that definition, right? That grace is favor that we receive. It's like God doing us a favor. It's like being, it's like receiving a favor from someone else, but not because of anything we've done. We didn't earn it in any way. It's just, I'm going to do this good thing for you. You didn't earn it. It's not payment. It's not dues. God's favor. I like to think of favor. I like to think of grace as putting on your winter coat for the very first time after the spring and the summer and the fall. The temperatures are getting colder, so you pull your winter coat out of the closet and you put your hand in the pocket. It's just happened to me, actually. That's why I think of it. And you put your hand in the pocket and you, you discover there's money. I mean, for the last nine months, that coat has been sitting in the closet, and you didn't know it, but you just put it on after nine months, and you put your hand in your pocket, and you discover, you know, like, you know, there's money in there. You're like, wow, this is like, this is fantastic, even though it's your money, and you probably put it in there, but just that experience, of, that's what grace can feel like, right? Wow, this is amazing. It just came from nowhere, and it's good, and it's a blessing, and it's a helpful, it's a help to me, uh, and that's what grace is like, but grace is actually even more than that. Because while grace is unearned, or as some people call it, unmerited, the favor that we receive, the grace that we receive uh, without earning it, does not come without a response or without an expected response, right? So it came to us unearned. It comes to us. Grace comes to us unmerited. But it doesn't mean there isn't an expected response, Grace asks something of all of us who have received God's grace. Or as author Gary Burr says, grace recruits. I like that. Grace recruits. And what we're learning from this passage that Paul is writing, as Paul would have experienced it, he would have said it this way. Grace recruited me to preach to the nations uh, the riches of Christ. Grace recruited me to make plain the administration of the mystery of God. Grace recruited me to make the wisdom of God known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Well, let's put that in and in, in paraphrase that in a way that would, we could understand and apply to our own lives. When Paul said that grace recruited him to preach to the nations, that word for preach is as the word that we would use today for the word uh, for and the word evangelize. So grace recruits us to evangelize, or maybe you're saying, okay, I'm still not sure what you're talking about, all right? Grace recruits us to tell others about the good news of Jesus. Grace recruits us to say, tell people what you've seen. Tell people what you've heard. Let them see it. You know, we, li- we live in a world, and you probably already know this. I'm going to say this, and you can say, yeah, yeah, I, I, I hear you. Uh, we live in a world that, that accepts many stories, 
you've got a story, they've got a story, this people group has a story, and, and we're very cool as, as worldwide, all across the world, that, that there are multiple stories, right? And we love that. They may be contradictory stories. They may or may not have anything in common with each other. They may be stories totally unique to that family or that people group or even that nation. But what the world typically does not accept today is one story, one meta story, or one, as uh, some authors describe it, one grand narrative that explains the whole thing and unpacks the whole thing from beginning to end. And the story that God is telling in the Bible, the story that God is telling that we just described uh, uh, already is a meta story. It's a grand narrative that takes us from the beginning all the way to the end. And when we go to share this one story of how we started out in beauty and goodness and how that beauty and goodness was marred and, and in places completely destroyed and then how God set, a bar, set about to bring the good news, which was I'm going to redeem what was lost and I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to reconcile the people and the creation that was lost to me and I'm going to make it right again, I'm going to complete it, I'm going to fulfill it, and that we will one day be beautiful, and we will one day be good, and there will be no, and we will one day be healed, and even the nations will be healed, and there'll be no more evil, or more de- no, no more death, and no more destruction. That beautiful meta-narrative that God is telling is going to be challenged. It's good news, but it's going to be challenged. The world is happy to accept a variety of stories. It's having more of a challenge to accept the one story that God is telling in the Bible. We, because grace has recruited us, need to be ready to meet that particular challenge. What does it mean to evangelize? It means means that Jesus is telling the story how Jesus uniquely fulfills the story of God that the Bible is uniquely telling. And that's what we're showing. Jesus may or may not make any sense to you in your own, in the worldview that you have, all right? And he may or may not fit in, into the story that you own uh, and been carrying around with you, uh, the one that grandpa told you or the one that your culture is telling you or the one that your tribe has been telling you. But Jesus perfectly fits in the unique story that God is telling in the Bible, and he is the completion of that story. And if you watch it unfold from beginning to end, you see how God has uniquely called Jesus to uniquely bring his blessing to the world. And of course, to evangelize mostly means to love, to love. Jesus said, they will know that you belong to me. They will know that you are following me. They will know that you are a part of the story I'm telling by the love that you have for each other and the love that you have for them. We've been recruited by grace to make plain uh, this story that God is telling. And there's no better way to make plain the gospel of Jesus in the power of his transformation and, 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 and of his presence uh, and of the beauty and goodness that God has accomplished and the blessing that God brings, no better way to make that plain than in a changed life. Yeah. You used to know. You, you, you knew me. You knew what I was like before. You have seen the change in me. 
was talking to a friend recently, uh, and he was just, it was many, many decades ago for him that he became a Christian. And, you know, it's not like uh, he was a nice person. I think he, I think he probably would say about himself, I, I actually, I wasn't very nice. I was not a nice person. And, and not a good family member. It's just, yeah, you know, and uh, people were worried about me. He said, you know, it's like, uh, as, as one friend said, another friend said, you know, I was a prayer request. That's what I used to be. I used to be a prayer request. And, and, uh, and he said, you know, I changed, and I changed so radically that my family, who knew me better than anybody, could not deny something had happened to me. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't understand what happened to me, but they could say, you know, you are not the same person. And when he began to say it was Jesus and how he met Jesus and he started following Jesus and believing the things that Jesus taught and said and received forgiveness in Jesus' name and, and was discipled here by this group of Christians, and they could hardly believe it, but they could not deny the plain change that they saw in their family member. What does it mean to be recruited by grace? It means that we are been recruited to reveal to the powers of spiritual darkness, a reality and a spiritual reality of the powers of darkness, principalities and authorities that are aligned against God, that we, by grace, are revealing to them the wisdom of God. Now, you know, I, you know this, let, let's just leave it at this, okay? You say, well, what is that? Somehow, that the powers of darkness principalities and authorities who are very real, it's a spiritual realm that exists, when they can see the grace of Christ working itself out in not only us as individuals, but in us as a community, it is bearing witness that to, to, to them of the power of this multifaceted wisdom of God. And let's see where that will take us. Paul ends this by reminding them that this story that God is telling of redemption, of reconciliation, of being reunited with him through the person of Jesus Christ, this story that God is telling in us and through us and, and, and invites us into and allowing ourselves to be recruited by grace to be a part of the same story, well, Along with this comes a confidence. And he leaves, uh, he leaves us with these words of confidence and the hope that if our confidence has been shaken, it can be renewed. And so as we wrap things up today, I, that's where I want to end this today, is to say to you, if if you are a Christian and you've been following Jesus, and whether it's just been for a short time, you know, and you just became a Christ follower not that long ago, or maybe, maybe you're the older brother, you know, in, in Jesus' parable. You're the person who's been around a long time, but your confidence has been shaken. Your confidence has been shaken. Your confidence in the gospel, your confidence in Jesus. Your confidence in the blessing of God. You're just not certain right now. You're just not sure. There is a hope and a promise from God that he himself, that God himself can restore and renew your confidence. And I leave you with this truth that comes right here from these last, the last verse, verse number 12, that, that, that our faith, was never 
in our faith. And our confidence and our trust was never in our confidence and our trust. But our faith and our confidence and our trust are in the faithfulness of Jesus. It's possible to have our confidence renewed because the faithfulness of Jesus never changes. And he never fails. My confidence is actually not in me. My confidence and my trust, first and foremost, is in him and in his faithfulness and in his confidence. And what he has begun, he will finish until the day of completion. Christ in you, right? Christ in you, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Father, I pray today and give thanks. Lord Jesus, thank you that, that, that this incredible story that you have been telling really almost from the very beginning, that you will redeem, you will buy back what is yours, you will restore what is yours, you will bring us back to the garden, you will bring us back to beauty, you will bring us back to goodness, you will forgive our sins, you will restore us, you will heal us. You'll, you'll, you're not only going to heal us as individuals, you're going to heal our communities, you're going, to, you're going to heal our nations, and it will be as you have purposed for it to be. Your will and purpose will be accomplished. And this is a story that we just not only read about, but it's a story that we own, a story that we enter in. And yeah, some of us are like Paul. Some of us are like those three astronomers from Babylon. Who would have guessed that I would have been a part of the story? And even more, that I would be part of the story telling the same good news to others as well. Those who are near and those who are far. Thank you, God. May we be fruitful and effective for you and for your kingdom. It's not your heart's desire in any way that anyone should perish or that anyone should not know this good news that has come to us in Jesus Christ. May your kingdom come. May the nations hear of the blessing and the goodness of God. May the nations be healed. And may we believe unto the Lord Jesus Christ, until all the kingdoms of the earth become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.